Welcome to the 170th episode of the Young Turps podcast from the Viner Fourgate studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's show, we're talking about a win. Maryland last night takes down Minnesota in overtime on a missed extra point, 45-44. to uh, The Terps advance to one and one on the season. Before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether you're putting together a wedding, a luncheon, or setting up a safe outside festival, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today. You can reach Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, a few notes on the rundown today. Well, the first thing we have to note is... I personally am congested this morning, so or sorry, this afternoon, so if you hear me stuffing in the background, apologies, folks. Um, but our first notice is Maryland's Big Ten, ACT Big Ten Challenge opponent came out, Mason, and it is uh, maybe the lamest one yet. Oh, I don't think so. I think Notre Dame was lamer. Uh, I don't really like Syracuse. So at least they're playing an ACC team. Yes, and that, of course, is Clemson, who you are right. Maryland has extensive history playing against in many sports, and there is something to that. But, I mean, like, couldn't you be like NC State or something? Or like Wake Forest? That would have been better for me. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think we've got one other thing, and that is Fred Funk, uh, who was once a guest on Turp Talk. Uh, met him at PGA Tour, or the Maryland PGA, I guess, yearly event. Uh, he was he won the award there, and former Terps golf coach is one of the oldest players in the history of the tour to make the cut. He did that this weekend uh, at the Bermuda Championship, which is uh, of course in Bermuda. Uh, and props to him, you know, getting up there in age, but still playing with the best. Yeah, and there definitely is something uh, to that. Well, it's a short rundown today, and it will continue to be that until spring when we have you know twenty sports going at once. That'll be fun. But until then, we have some crow to eat, Mason, because we both said the Terps were going to lose big to Minnesota. That was not the case, and it, it's hard to—it's hard not to overstate this one. But I felt like it really felt like a seminal moment in Maryland's, or at least Mike Loxley's tenure in Maryland. Yeah, I think there was a lot on the line going into this one. Um, j- just kind of going back to last week's podcast on on Sunday. Now we're recording this one on Saturday. Uh, an absolute change, you know, and and one that was much needed given given just what an absolute embarrassment last week was. And I don't think anybody uh, is afraid to admit that. Jake Funk put it as they just laid an egg last week. Definitely more positive uh, across the board. But I go back to the keys that you and I kind of set up, Jordan, on Wednesday when we recorded uh, I said they had to come out and make a splash, get a quick score, or if it was on defense, uh, hit somebody, and then do the opposite. And, and I think they did that. You know, they they went out, they made some boom plays, they ran the script perfectly for the second straight week, and then you look at the next play on special teams. Uh, the Terps get a big hit from number twenty-two. His name slips here. Oh, Oseta Smith. Yeah, it gives the Terps a big hit on the on the kickoff return. And then the defense comes out and makes a statement, and one of their few statements of the game. But they they get a three and out. And those are the kind of things that we said. you got to get the energy up, and then suddenly you could see the team come alive, jumping on the sideline, you know, 
bringing that, hate to bring back the DJ Durkin uh, term, but bringing the excessive juice. They needed that. They needed to pump themselves up and, and say, hey, we can do this. And then they continued uh, to execute well uh, pretty much until that second quarter. Yeah, um, the Terps really did dominate the first quarter of this game, 21-7. to And it really felt like things were changing. Tua Leotagavalola had a monster game overall, but he scores a 40-yard touchdown, a 39-yard touchdown run, which was a huge play. But after that, oh, you can't forget when you're talking about the first quarter, Jay Sean Judge ripped off a 76-yard touchdown run off a slant. And we were talking about this last week, Mason. You just need to complete that slant pass. And Leo, whatever changed, really did change because he looked like what we were expecting. He was slinging the ball like nobody's business. He was really burning some of those slant passes, which is what you need to do on them. And as you've been saying this since last season, if we just complete the slant, the offense opens up, and it really did open up. Yeah, there's a lot of skill on the outsides. And Wayne and I were kind of breaking the game down a little bit, of course, starting the game and then uh, this morning a bit. You look at the plays and you look at the design of this offense, and it's built to have the skill that it has. I mean, Demas, Jay Sean Jones, uh, Rock Jarrett as a running back, whoever came up with that's a, a really a genius kind of setup. Brian Cobbs, Daryl Jones. I mean, they have the guys. There's no doubt about that on the edge. You just have to find a way to open it up. Uh, you go back and you look at the film from last week, uh, which I've gotten kind of a chance to over this over this last couple of days. The same kind of plays were open. You know, you, you throw some check downs, you get the ball moving, and those plays just weren't taken. You know, two, or my mistake, Talia was uh, rattled. He threw the ball down the field in some really bad spots, and and. Northwestern really pushed it up. You know, they had a more experienced defensive line. But, and I don't mean to go back too much to last week, the execution this week of the play calling was so much better. They continued to run the football against the kind of similar setup. Minnesota, not a great defensive line, a lot of new faces up there. They obviously are not that good. Northwestern, kind of the same thing. But this week they stuck to it. They ran the football. They didn't get pounced early. And you just see things open up. And then in the second quarter here, if we kind of move through this game before we really break it in deep, the things really did not go the sharpest way. Mo Ibrahim, just what a game he had. 270, 207 yards, four touchdowns on the first half. Um, the touchdowns were the first half. I see not all the yardage. He, he just really showed out playing the uh, good council native did. Um, the second quarter was just a disaster for the Terps. Three rushing touchdowns allowed. Interception of a stream pass. Uh, 28 to 21 at halftime. It just... Oh, and the Terps missed a field goal at the half. Can't forget about that. It just didn't feel like it was going the Terps' way. But th for me, this is when I kind of had a minute where it was like, even if we if we just fall off the cliff here and lose like, I don't know, I was thinking like 45-28 or something, I was still actually going to be okay with that because we, the team didn't look like it quit. It looked like they were trying hard. They executed the offense. I was kind of content with that, as weird as that sounds. I don't know if you felt the same thing, Mason. I felt a little bit of the same thing. What was really arcing me at that at that point, and I was saying it on Twitter, and you can follow us on Twitter at YoungTerp1, was that they failed to adjust on defense a little bit, and it was slow. You know, the adjustment was slow. It did come, um, and we'll get to that a little bit. They were letting the plays come to them, uh, relying too much on chasing things down from the back and and really, 
it can't all come from Chance Campbell and Fernandez Gote. Uh, they they had to get those guys downhill, get Jordan Mosley in the box. I mean, and really, you know, you're looking at a team that in Minnesota that passed the ball a total of 15 times in this game. Ibrahim uh, had 41 carries. You had to stop the run. They did a poor job of doing that. Uh, but once the adjustment came, it was a lot better, you know, and and the game was slipping away at that point. Uh, and, you know, Petrino hits the post, and, yeah, it wasn't looking too hot, and, and that kind of continued into the third quarter. Yep, Minnesota comes out with another huge drive going 87 yards in six plays. And then the Terps come back on their own big drive. You know, they Jake Punker off a 51-yard rush. You know, Lee spread the ball around. Then Penny Boone on his only carry of the game fumbles at the one-yard line. And for me, I thought the game was over there. Yeah, that, that usually would be a killer for Maryland. Um, I mean, we've seen it times in the past. Uh, this is questionable at best. You know, Penny Boone is your is your power back, but you got to get guys carries in a game early. You know, they had Isaiah Jacobs out there at a point in the fourth quarter, or, or maybe it was even in the overtime, and I was like, why are you putting out a guy that really hasn't touched the ball much in this game? You know, those are always warnings, and, and I'm all for giving Penny Boone the football. I think he's your kind of battering ram running back, even though I love Jake Funk. But... It was a tough play, you know. He fell onto a player that caused the fumble, and yeah, definitely not one of the fire moments of this game. I also thought it was over, you know. But you stay in it, you find a way, you know. And that's that's kind of my key thing here in this game is you listen to what Coach Loxley said, and last week I went completely the other way on it. But he talks about not quitting a lot. He talks about how they think they've changed the culture here, and I think this game was kind of emblematic of that, you know. They get down 35-21. to 21, They fumble on the one-yard line. I can't think of a Maryland team that wouldn't have folded since Ralph Friedgen was the coach at that point. You yeah, know, and that kind of speaks that kind of speaks to what Michael Oxley's trying to do here, what Coach Ryan Davis, the strength and conditioning guy, who, you know, he even gets me to buy into that program and what he wants to do. It's a lot about positivity and how you're not out of it. You're never out of it in life and in football. Those are the two things that they really key on, uh, in on in this program. And you got to keep pushing. You know, you, d- you don't quit. Maryland doesn't quit. That's that's one of Coach Loxley's big things. A- and I think it showed in this game. I'm not saying Minnesota's the best football team ever. I actually thought was really disappointed uh, in-, in how they looked. But, you know, it also speaks to Maryland. It speaks to their effort, their culture, their, you know, and, and definitely guys like Chance Campbell and Jake Funk. I mean, Jake Funk is a fantastic pass blocker. Uh, and-, and he talked about that a little bit in the postgame. But, those two, Leah and Funk, are really smart football players, and they do a great job in, in pass pro adjustment. Uh, moving on in the game here, Minnesota, maybe the most important play or drive of the game, actually. Uh, Minnesota goes thir- 13 plays, 73 yards, gets down to the Terps' seven-yard line, but Maryland does not give a touchdown on that drive. Minnesota takes a field goal, and after that, it was all Terps the rest of the way. They take a 75 yards next drive, score a touchdown, force a three and out, get a field goal the next drive, force another three and out. Then the last drive of the game, Maryland scores another touchdown after Jake Funk 31-yard carry and then a 19-yard carry for the score. And we do have to discuss this briefly, Mason. Now it's 38-all. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. (laughs) There's one key that you got to look back on. You're kind of skipping over that Maryland drive that ended in the 51-yard field goal. And a quick kind of note on that is uh, I think 
Maryland has themselves a kicker. He may not be great, but he's certainly solid. And they can block they can block the field goal. The or they can actually, you know, protect the field goal kicker. Block the field goal makes it sound like they're gonna block their own kick. Um Minnesota called a timeout with four seconds left on the play clock before that field goal, and Maryland wasn't even close to set. That is my key error from Minnesota in this game. I don't know how you make that mistake if you're P.J. Fleck, but you call a timeout. Uh, Maryland was not going to get that kickoff. They would have been forced to call a timeout. The Terps kick it, and it's, it is it is good, and it actually hits the cameraman. And I've been that cameraman before, and it is not, it is not a pleasant thing. Good catch on that one. So, on the last round of the game, Maryland, okay, we do have to shout out, the defense in that fourth quarter was absolutely flooringly spectacular compared to the rest of the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, looking at some of the drive charts here, uh, the Terps force a three and out where they give up, you know, five-yard run, but then this is kind of where things change. This is where you started really packing it in, shooting shooting the gaps. There's a few injuries and, and things that we got to get to on this defensive line, but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, Iende Ely, a guy that I'm starting to like actually at the jack position for the Terps with some of the injuries they've had. He gives them some athleticism. Not the size, but, you know, McCullough, uh, Frankie Burgess actually looks really good, but McCullough and and Deshaun Holt don't really give you either. They're not the right size or they, they're not exceedingly fast. Ely is. I like Ely there as a mixed guy. Chance Campbell, uh, and Gote have really cemented those two positions in the middle of this defense. They really got downhill a lot. And then you started seeing the mix in of what a lot of people have been looking for. Once the injuries, and they were really thin on the edge, started coming, they put Sam O at the defensive end position, Lotez Rogers opposite side of him, and then actually had a Mo Kite, and whether it was Finau or, or TT in the middle. And then they even got Glass now, a guy who transferred into this program from Michigan in there, and, and he was really good for a drive. They were kind of able to eat the blocks. They looked like a real defense once they shifted to the 4-3, which I think what a lot of people uh, around the Maryland community have been saying. But they were forced into it, and, and it worked out. And even when the a guy like Burgess, who's the right size, the right amount of athleticism at the jack position, got in there on third downs, he was really effective. Terps forced a three and out uh, that ended with a sack from Chance Campbell, and, and that forces a punt uh, in the mid-fourth quarter. All right, now to the last drive of the game. Um, it looked like, Terps got the ball back with about a minute on the clock. It looked like for a minute they were going to s score because Leah rips off a 30-yard pass, beautiful strike to Brian Cobbs down the middle, and then they get an OPI, which effectively ended the drive for them. But they don't chuck a Hail Mary from Minnesota's, I think it was like the 44 or something, with like a second left on the clock. They didn't call a timeout. They just decided to let the clock run overtime. Not as choice I love, but I kind of understood it because maybe Locks did just didn't thought the risk was not worth the reward on that. They could just get strip sack or something and that'd be it. But still, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, it did to me too. And, and this is how I coach that situation. And, and I don't have the coaching experience of one Michael Loxley, but I'll play Monday morning quarterback a little bit here. You got the 10-yard dump in the middle. At eight seconds left on the clock, I call timeout. It's fourth and 15. I give myself a chance for for two plays because you're, you're quite close to the field goal strike line. Uh, you're right there. I call timeout, give myself two plays. Um, 
Maybe one of them's a Hail Mary. Maybe it's not. Maybe try and throw a 15-yard out, get the first down, try and kick a field goal. I, I don't like it. I, I also can understand why one would do that, but I'm playing to win the game at that point. I have all the momentum in my favor. Uh, it's not like going for two once you score a touchdown at the end of a game. You're just throwing a Hail Mary pass, something you practice. You have to practice that, that scenario. Um, your quarterback obviously has the arm for that, and you also have a ton of playmakers. You know, even if you were to throw something short, like a screen, get one of your guys out in space, Demas, Cobbs, Jarrett, uh, Funk, you know, Isaiah Jacobs. You have the guys to give one of your players the football that can really make something happen, um, but they don't. And, and you know what? It worked out at the end, so so I really can't judge it. If they're on the road, this is one of the things that, that I'm kind of interested in. If you're on the road, I definitely call the timeout and throw the Hail Mary, and I actually think Michael Oxley would too. But you're at home, you're in your own environment, maybe maybe then you send the game to overtime. Well, in overtime, apparently uneventful for the first, you know, 90% of it. Uh, Leah finds Jayshaw Jones, uh, gets a DPI, and then runs it in for a score, his second rushing touchdown of the game. Then defense kind of gets steamrolled. Uh, they Minnesota scores on only five plays. I'm not, and, and they got their own DPI, which is worth mentioning. And then... It was one of the best announcer jinx or announcer's call maybe I've ever seen because right before the, the extra point, the announcers are saying, you know, PJ Flex mentioned he's a little bit nervous about the kicking in this game. We'll wonder what will happen here. And they missed an extra point. Just like could not have drawn that up any better from the announcer's perspective. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you guys out there, and, and I'm kind of interested to hear what people thought about this. I thought the game call last night was atrocious. Uh, I thought it was absolutely terrible for a game that was this entertaining and close. You know, and I'm not really a fan uh, of um, the guy who runs the play-by-play -play on the game last night. His name slips my mind. Really, or uh, Andre Ware as a color guy. They were really trying to make the game about things that's just not. You know, they were doing too many player features. Call the game. You know, there, there weren't enough wide-angle shots, too many close zooms. I couldn't see really what was going on. Um... Not a fan of, of the ESPN broadcast from last night. Yeah, I kind of had the... Uh, I don't mean to disrespect the Sun Belt, which has really come up at the conference recently, but it felt like one of those Thursday night Sun Belt games where they're just kind of there to have fun, whipping around, kind of. And this, this had a different feel to it because Maryland really came to play. I think they're expecting a blowout with the way they structured the broadcast, which is fair in their defense. But... Yeah, it wasn't a great um, viewing experience. Um, I think that we want to take this one next, Mason. I guess let's look into the roster, and you have to start. This game almost ends and starts with Talia Tungabailoa, who after a disastrous first start, and I mean disastrous first start, rebounded with one of the best, maybe the best Maryland quarterback performance of, what, the last eight years? Yeah, um, Tungabailoa, the last, I mean, the first player since Caleb Rowe in 2013 to throw for more than 300 yards in a game. Uh, three touchdowns, the interception. I, look, that interception, when you throw as, as many screens and hitches as Maryland does, somebody's going to get a hand on the football It's going to get picked off. you know. And maybe I thought it came in a really inopportune time in this game, but it, it was eventually going to happen. I mean, you, you, you run too many of those plays. As I just said, too many swing passes, too many hitches um, for you to almost not expect that to happen. In the rush game, you know, kind of surprising, given 
and Leah was the number four, I think, dual threat quarterback coming out of high school when, when he did. Um, the spin move to the right got, just escaped a lot of a lot of sacks and extends a lot of plays, and, and it's really nice to see. Once he got settled, his footwork came exp- became exponentially better. He stepped up and pushed the pocket at the right time. He wasn't necessarily spinning out of it as much, instead stepping up and then to the side. That's definitely a move that you like to see. He also keeps the ball while he's running in the right place to be able to make a quick pass. That's another thing that not enough you know, analysts and announcers hit on. If you drop the ball, if you tuck it away, you're not able to find a receiver down the field. He did a great job of that. And then Jordan. Um, he gets the same kind of run in overtime that C.J. Brown had. I'm not sure if you remember to beat Virginia Tech. Yeah, uh, I remember. He comes off the edge, extends the football, and those are kind of two. These might end up being two games that are kind of identified as really big wins for this program. Uh, definitely one that the Terps needed. Yeah, one the Terps needed, and he Leah definitely cements himself as a starter after a, uh, I'll call it tumultuous first game again. Uh, the rushing attack, Jake Funk, and I, I'm gonna let you have this one, Mason, because Jake Funk's been your guy since he got to Maryland, even before he got to Maryland, Damascus. 216 yards, one touchdown, a, a bunch of big runs, just an absolute dominant performance for Jake Funk, and I'm just gonna let you go from that point on. <laughs> Yeah, and, and this was one that you gotta love to see it. I mean, Jake Funk, a guy that's battled nonstop through injury, uh, and it's just—he's a Maryland football player. You know, he, he's a guy from this area, well, from the specific area that Jordan Ives' home is in. Um, shattered all the records in the record book in high school. These are the guys that I think that you have to have a commitment to a program if you really want to own the state and have people. Uh, really buy into what you do. These are the kind of guys that you have to have on your football team. They're they're homegrown, real football players. They're not from the huge prep schools, even though we all love those guys too. This guy embodies Maryland pride. You know, he's stuck with it. He's fought through it. He's always had a nose for the end zone. You know, he scored uh, the game winner against Minnesota. Well, not the game winner. Ty Johnson had it. But he scored, he scored a lot of touchdowns against Minnesota in his career. And he's always had a nose for the end zone. I think he's been a guy that's been overshadowed. I mean, Lorenzo Harrison, Ty Johnson, Javon Leakey, and Anthony McFarlane are fantastic football players. Yet Jake Funk gets the ball 21 times and goes for 221. So, I mean, the running backs just keep rolling for the Terps. And I think Jake Funk is maybe going to have the first chance since Brandon Ross, I'm, I'm kind of pushed to say, to really be the guy that gets the ball 20 times a game. I mean, unfortunately or fun- fortunately, the Terps had Ty Johnson and Lorenzo Harrison for two years, uh, then McFarland and Leak, and Ty Johnson for one year, and then McFarland and Leak. And now they have a guy that you can say, let's feed a beast, give the guy a ball 21 times a day, and really nobody else is getting a touch. Yeah, and Penny Boone, as we mentioned, got one carry, one fumble. Lance Lejean got on the field for a couple rush attempts, or... He actually only got one attempt, but he was on the field a couple of times to try it. Yeah, the voodoo package for the Terps did not look too good. Lance, um, I guess it was a third and one. He's got to hand that football off. I mean, they had it up the middle. He tries to keep it to the outside, loses a yard. Uh, and I know that he wants to make a play happen when he's got the football in his hands, but you, you got to read the defense and, and give yourself or give your coach confidence that you're going to make the right call there. Um yeah, but one attempt, they didn't count it as a loss in the official stats here, but it was a loss of about like a quarter to a half a yard in the third and one. 
And then on to these receivers who really showed out that there's there's a lot of weapons there. Yes, they did. And uh, a uh, debut, debut maybe a week later than we would have liked, but I'll take it. Jayshon Jones gets three catches for 103 yards. What a big three catches they were, though. He has really come back. Dante Demas still looks like he could be all Big Ten. Rock Jarrett finally gets in, and I say finally after one week, but he looks like all he was promised after a disappointing first week with six catches, 68 yards. They really moved him around and used him to confuse the defense. Ryan Cobbs also got his dude, so did Daryl Jones. It's almost hard to pick one to focus on, which I guess is the point here, but I'm almost inclined to say Rock Jarrett just because it's really good to see him actually making plays after a disappointing first week. Yeah, I think it was a disappointing first week all around, so it's kind of hard to identify one guy. Um, let's start with Jayshon Jones. Two big penalties from him in this game. Uh, I did not think that was a blindside block, I'll be honest. Um, even after the replay, I didn't think it was a blindside block. Uh, the pass interference I also thought was somewhat questionable, but you know that that's a sign of the times in football right now. Those offensive pass interferences uh, starting to almost be the most common uh, foul right up there with holding. Um, I think that this team... I'm kind of pressed to say they got four NFL wide receivers right now, and it's definitely good to see. Another note for the passing game, Chica Conquo officially back with the team and practicing. Not sure when he's going to be able to go. Uh, some reports have said he's still a long way out, still miss, uh, still might miss the entire season. Uh, another thing to identify here, uh, Tyler Baylor, the former defensive lineman, had a pet, uh, chance where he was wide open. He dropped the football, so it doesn't look like they have much of a tight end. That does not look like a much of a tight end here. And, yeah, they might have four pro caliber receivers on this team. So you hope they'll get keep using all of them. Um, I'm not going to say much else other than it was really good to see this group work the way they did. 200-yard receivers is pretty cool to have. Um, it's hard to say if we really have a number one, number one receiver. I'd say probably Jason Jones if you got one. But Dante Dimas certainly made his case as well. On the defensive side of the ball, much more to be upset about if you want to go that route. But I'll still keep it at a minimum this week, Mason. But the run defense is going to cost this team a fair amount of games this season. Yeah, I think it will. Well, I think it will if they continue to play, uh, if they continue to have a locked mindset of how they're going to approach every game. The reason I say this is this week, uh, nine for the Terps. Uh, I call him Joe B., I still can't pronounce his last name, unfortunately. Uh, he was out along with Chime. Both of those guys I hope will be back. You know, those are two football players that they really need. But they changed their mindset in this game. You know, they were really letting the game come to them. They need to attack. And then attack some more. And then they really got to get aggressive. I know they like to sit cover four zone, uh, let the game come to them, and then find their gaps and hit it. No. With the talent that this team has, with the personnel that they have on this football team, they have to be the aggressor. They can't let the game come to them. They won't win if they let the game come to them. That changed. Uh, Jordan, you hit on it. When they started stopping the run when the defense showed up, you can see it. They're packing the box. They don't really have two safeties right now. Their corners aren't great. Their linebackers are really good. They have an amazing run support safety in Jordan Mosley, who got 11 tackles, 7 solo. He's not good against the pass. You gotta press the box. You gotta get aggressive. And I would love to see him come out next week and say, you know, I like the front five. I would go a Conquo, 
Mo Kite. Um, give me one of my defensive tackles. I kind of think they're interchangeable. They seem to like C now. And give me Ace Ely on the edge. That gives you speed on the edge, three true size defensive linemen across the front, and attack. Chance Campbell's a fantastic linebacker. Gote's got an amazing motor. He's really the guy that brings it for this defense. And then you got to play from there. You will get beat by the pass. They don't have any lockdown corner. You got to attack. Give your guys a chance. Shorten the plays. Get after the quarterback. If it costs you, it costs you. We can't let teams road grade you with 41 carries from their lead back. Well, that's how Mason would run this uh, defense. Well, that's not only how Mason would run it. That's how, uh, you know, Mike Loxley and John Hoke ended up running it there at the end. Um, yeah, the defensive line got pushed back early. No sense in being that horse again because we really ripped into them last podcast. They did make some adjustments, as Mason just kind of alluded to, that changed the game. Yeah, Jordan Mosley, I know Chance Campbell really deserves to do after that game. He had a great game. He got shot up by Jermaine Carter on Twitter. 13 tackles, really played a good one. Jordan Mosley, though, you can't shout out enough either because he really had to step into the box to make plays, and he did. He is a fantastic run support safety. Uh, he's not going to win any many coverage battles, but he really does excel in that area. He's got to become a um, linebacker. He really does, and he, I think he should. I think he give me like a fantastic ASAP. linebacker. You know, the play that everyone likes to hone in on with, what, what was it, Um, something Bell. I can't remember the, the first part of the kid's last name, seven for Minnesota. Um, He's got to get over and almost make an interception on that football. I mean, and I know you're really locked into the run at that point in the game, but as a safety, I mean, that's your responsibility. Nick Cross would get there, but you notice that teams aren't throwing the ball towards Nick Cross's half the field. Yeah, Nick Cross um, is kind of all he was hooked up to be. He's really done well. Uh, Tareem Still, the true freshman cornerback, really has caught my eye so far this season as a potential, not not certainly not there yet, but a potential uh, all-Big Ten caliber player. He's really stood up well in coverage concerning. He's, again, a freshman and a little bit of an undersized one at that. But, I mean, he's clearly earned that starting role now that you've seen him on the field. Yeah, I think it's clear that Ja'Cory and Bennett and Heeb still are um, the two starting corners on this football team. Tarheeb still got the got the uh, assignment of Rashad Bateman, and they did a great job on him. You know, again, Minnesota only tries to pass the ball 15 times. I'm not exactly sure. I know the run was working great for them. Where their play callings coming from? I think if you're looking to beat a Maryland team, your best bet is a mix of run, and then if you're running as hard as Minnesota was, play action. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm disappointed again in the way that this team was beat by a zone blocking scheme, but they fixed it. You know, it's hard to kind of judge. They got some big tackles. They showed energy, and I think that was important. You're getting beat that bad, and you still see how hyped up Maryland was to get back out on the field. That's something that we haven't seen enough uh, over the past couple of years. A play that I like to key in on is, and it was in the fourth quarter late. Um, it was a run to the outside. Levante Gator comes up and makes the hit. And he is absolutely hyped up to make that football play. That's a cornerback that's really not getting as much time as he thought he was, kind of behind Irwin Bird, it looks like, in the lineup, running up and hitting a running back and and getting excited, you know, getting juiced up, getting really bringing it. That's the kind of thing that this team needs. That is what this team needs, uh, 
One of the person I'd like to highlight on this defense is Fernando Gote, who really stood out for a number of reasons, but probably, I mean, he didn't have a fantastic game. He had four tackles, but the reason he really stood out is he brings the energy to this team. And I put out a poll on Twitter. I didn't get a ton of replies on it, but I got enough. Um, just say what we thought about that because I was watching him and I, I'm big on getting that energy you need. But I was also in the back of my head counting kind of like, I really hope he doesn't get a penalty here for, um, you know, something in front of my conduct or whatever it might be. He didn't get one, but I put a poll out saying, what do you think? Is it like too much energy? Is it worth a penalty? Is it like, do you guys want more? And you guys really uh like his juice. Yeah, and so do I. I mean, this guy, the one on Mo Kite was atrocious. He can't get that penalty. No. This is that guy. Every team that's successful has this guy. He is absolutely insane and will give you everything that he's got. You need this kind of football player. And I think that a lot of a lot of the fan again, a lot of the fandom for Maryland's been really disappointing the way this team showed up. You look back at games that they've been blown out in since this guy's true freshman season. He gets in there and he hits somebody. You gotta have that guy. You gotta have it right now, especially with how quick he is, too. You know, he's not only a juice guy, but he, he's starting to really bring value. He's finally gotten uh, a chance in a real role here. Uh, and, and I really, you know, I've really liked this guy for a long time. The Terps only punt once. Minnesota punts four times. Uh, Pecorillo, the only guy to punt for Maryland. Seemingly a huge issue for the Terps, Jordan, is the kickoff return game. Uh, they got to start fair catching the football. Isaiah Jacobs almost fumbles on the first play of the game. Dejon Ellis gets his share there. Uh, Jake Funk also back there. They 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 got to find somebody that can just catch catch the ball and start fair catching. Yeah, they do. Um, and there are miscues in this game, and it's going to be impossible to ignore that. The Terps really did escape in this one with a forty-five to forty-four victory, but you still have to enjoy it if you're a Maryland fan because look, we we really have gotten have had a tough year as a whole. Everybody has. And you got to take the little victories you got. I and mean, this might not be a little one. Maybe it's a big victory. I don't know. And I don't think anyone really does because let's be real. Where we're sitting right now, Mason, Michigan State's up on Michigan. The Big Ten is a weird conference this season already. And it's hard to place how bad Minnesota is, how good Maryland is, how good Northwestern is, how bad Michigan or good or bad Michigan is. It's just kind of a mess as we look at the conference picture already. Yeah, and I think one of the yeah, I think one of the keys for Maryland is winning this game on ESPN uh, when it's the only football game going on. I don't think that can be overstated. Uh, I think that they just got to win. You know, you got to find your two, three, four games you're going to win this year, and you got to win them. You know, you got to keep your recruits on board. You got to you got to win the recruiting trail. You can obviously see that they're addressing. Uh, what is a massive gap on this team with the defensive line? You got to keep those guys on board and 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 fight through it. You know, I'm excited for next weekend. I'll give it that, and I think that's huge because I almost didn't want to turn the TV on uh, up until Friday. You know, once Friday hit, it's game day. I'm I'm kind of in a different mindset. I really I'm always excited to see this football team play, but all week I was kind of almost dreading what would happen and how bad it would look and the embarrassment on national television, but they fought through it. 
You know, and I think that that's something that you can't, you know, over, almost exult over. You know, this 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 was a special win for this team because we haven't seen Maryland fight back against many teams and, and, and come back and win many games like they did. Not a lot of teams do. You know, you're down 17 in the fourth quarter in a Big Ten game against a team that was fantastic last year that a lot of people had a lot of high expectations for that runs the ball and could take eight minutes off the clock in a single drive. And you came back and you showed that you played with Maryland pride. They haven't played with Maryland pride in a long time, Jordan, but last night, last night they did. Yeah, they did. And it's, I know we're like half an hour deep into this, but we do, I at least think we need to apologize a little bit for how badly we ripped the team last week. And not to say they didn't deserve it, because they certainly did not play well last week, and they did kind of look like they gave up for a while. But they came back this week, and Mike Loxley, it feels like he's the guy again. And maybe he is, maybe he isn't. It's one game, but the team fought back, as you said. They really did give up in this game. The defense didn't give up, and that's saying something, because really, they really could have with the way that it was going for them. Kalalea just had a fantastic game. The team had a game, or the, at least the offense had a great game as a whole. And who knows what happens next week against Penn State. Oh, let's be real. It's very possible to get their doors blown off again. But this week, we won. Hey, I'll kind of wrap it up the same way. I'm not going to apologize for anything that I said last week. Uh, I thought it was all justified by, by the product that was on the football field. Um, th That's just, that's my own opinion. You know, I don't ask any of you to share my opinions. Uh, I really do wear my heart on my sleeve when it comes to this team. I'm not the most controlled person when it comes to this team. I'll be the first person uh, to say that. I'm excited. It's Penn State week. Penn State did not look great last week against Indiana. Uh, I, I like Ohio State tonight by a lot. Show up. Be in the game. You know, that that's kind of my ask. You're playing next week. And I was talking about this with Jack Rothenberg, who's an intern on TurfTalk.com, who we're going to start doing uh, some shows with throughout the week. Next week's that game that you win for your recruiting, you win for your fan base. You win next week, you got a lot more buy-in than you did this week. It was great to win. Everybody wants to beat Penn State. It's a big in every way for this program. You know Mike Loxley knows that. And, and you know James Franklin knows that, too because it's the same thing for his program. He doesn't want to start losing recruits in this area. He already has. Next week's a big game for, for the big picture for both of the programs that are on the field. Yeah, especially if Penn State loses. Yeah, especially right, if well. Penn State loses by a lot. By a lot tonight. It, it becomes a big game for them. Because you know the fans there, not to get into it too much like we will in midweek, the fans there want a reason to get rid of James Franklin. For whatever it is. They don't like him. He goes 0-3 and loses to Indiana and Maryland. I can't see many people being too pleased up there. Neither can I. Um, all right, Mason, I think we'll leave it there. Huge win. Um, I don't know when we're coming back necessarily. Might be an election day, actually, maybe the day after. So uh, big week in a lot of ways, but we're not going to get into that. Um, anything else you want to add? Yeah, um, you might have saw it uh, if you follow our podcast. If you don't, please click the subscribe button on whatever you're listening to us on. I posted the full postgame audio from last night, which means Mike Loxley, uh, Leah, Jake Funk, Lotez Rogers, 
they were all they all spoke last night. I posted it full audio about 38 minutes. Give it a listen if you wanted to hear uh, what all those guys had to say in their respective press conferences. Yep, please do, and uh, that'll do it for today. All right. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors and you guys for listening. Viner Four Gates in Rockville. Uh, for all of your business IT needs, Viner Four Gates your place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one viner.com and Ally Party Rentals for all of your party rental needs, big or small. Ally, the place to go to have a safe outdoor event in a tent. Uh, you can visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. Guys, thanks for listening. Big win last night, and I can't wait. It's Penn State week time. Uh, let's see how it shapes out tonight, and... Yeah, as always, thanks for listening and, and sticking with us through um, what's been a long time coming, but the Terps are back.